This is episode 20 of One Page at a Time, Learning a New Language, Read a Novel with Camilla Bates. For this episode, Jill takes the lead on an interview with Spanish teacher and author Camilla Bates. You can expect to hear about how a northern Minnesota girl went from being less than passionate about Spanish class to wanting to teach Spanish, and the reason was reading in Spanish. Camilla tells us about her books that she's written in Spanish, what free reading is and what it has done for her students, the challenges of teaching teenagers who do not have a love of reading, how reading for fun in the language you are learning can help you learn the language, and some great resources for Spanish literature. We follow up the interview with a discussion about the difference reading in a new language has made for me and what a difference having the right resources has made for Jill. This is Jill in Virginia. And Amanda in Dubai. We are here to help you read more often. Read at home. Read at school. Read with your kids. Read with your spouse. Read aloud. Read faster. Just read. We dig through the data, gather the anecdotes, and chat with the experts who can tell you why and how you should make books a bigger part of your life. We're on this journey along with you, bringing people and reading together, one page at a time. Camilla Bates is, as she describes herself, a small-town Spanish teacher. She grew up in northern Minnesota and Michigan, but now finds herself settled in rural western Colorado, where she and her husband are raising their two boys. She's taught Spanish for more than 15 years, has written two books, and set up a website to share ideas and resources with other language teachers. When not teaching her classes, she takes advantage of the area she lives in and takes to the mountains camping with her family, hiking with friends, or cross-country skiing. We're very excited to talk to her about the role that books has played in her career and in her family. So welcome, Camilla Bates. Thank you. All right. So you grew up in in Minnesota mainly, correct? Yes. From what little I know about Minnesota, there's not a ton of Spanish up there. So I'm curious how your interest in Spanish, the language of Spanish, started and kind of where you got that start. Okay. That's a very valid question and one I actually get a lot. So northern Minnesota is not incredibly diverse. It's more diverse now than it was when I grew up there. But I had to take a language when I went to high school and I had the choice of Spanish or German and I chose Spanish. And if I'm going to be honest, I didn't like it. And I just kind of, I kept doing it. It was my worst grade. I wasn't really into it. But then the time came to decide if I was going to take a second year or not. And I chose to take a second year. And I'm still not completely sure why, but I did. And my second year, I started to like it a little bit more. But at the time, I was actually convinced that I was going to be a math teacher because I love math. So I was kind of exploring exploring math more and my math options. And then at the end of my second year of Spanish, I, you know, had to make the decision again, do I keep going? And I decided to take a third year. And I'm still not completely sure why, but I did. And my third year of Spanish, everything kind of started to click for me. And looking back, one thing that we did more in my third year was read. We read a lot of stories and I loved reading the stories. I love reading in general, but it was really fun to recognize that I could read in another language. I could completely understand this story and it was in Spanish. And so then I decided to take a fourth year. And in my fourth year, I decided that I was going, I loved it and I was going to teach it. I set aside my dreams of teaching math and decided to teach Spanish. That is kind of an awesome story. And like, there's just so much in it. (laughs) I'm fascinated by like the fact that you didn't like Spanish at first. And here you are a 
very veteran Spanish teacher for all these years. Yeah. That fascinates me that something in you stuck with it. And I love that transformation. Thank you. It was really cool. And I'm so glad that I did stick with it. And now I can use that story to encourage my students to stick with it, even when they might be struggling. And I can also connect with them when they are struggling because I let them know that that was part of my journey too. That you've been there. Very much been there. Yeah. So you said in the middle of all of that, you had wanted to be a math teacher. So you kind of had known that you wanted to be a teacher in general for a while. Yeah. When I was in first grade, I drew a picture and I said, I want to be a teacher when I grow up. And it's kind of funny to me that it just kind of stuck with me all of these years. And here I am. I did. That is impressive. In first grade, I wanted to be an Olympic gymnast. That nice. did not stick with me. <laughs> so I am very impressed that your first grade dreams came true. That is yeah. awesome. You said it was about your third year that you started reading stories in Spanish. Is that right? Yeah. And I'm sure we've read some short stories here and there. But I remember reading Lazarillo, which is a novel from Spain. It's an anonymous author. I just remember reading about his adventures and understanding it and thinking that that was really cool. I love that that unlocks this whole supply, that's not the right word, this whole collection, that's a better word, of literature, learning a new language that wouldn't have been available to you. Otherwise, I hadn't thought about that aspect of learning a new language because like you, I love to read and there's so many books out there that I can read, but there are books that I will never be able to read because I don't know the language. And to have that ability, to unlock that ability to read these novels and read this literature in the other language, that's amazing. Using that literature, learning Spanish, you now like to use literature in teaching it as well, right? Yes. And you've written a couple books yourself, correct? Yes, I have. So how exactly, I have been wondering, how did this come about? How did you go from teaching high school Spanish to writing these books? I've read, I've read Soy Carlos. Um, I've not read the other one. That's okay. The other one's much more advanced. Uh, so I went to a here in Colorado we have the Colorado Congress of Foreign Language Teachers and every February they put on a statewide conference and it's a wonderful conference and teachers from all over the country actually come to it but one of the years we had our guest speaker was Stephen Krashen and if you don't know who that is he is a guru in language acquisition and he was talking about the importance of reading. All of his theories come together with reading. One of the things that was suggested at that was that if you're not doing free voluntary reading or silent reading, you should be. And so I immediately went, okay, I should be. So I started my students, we read five minutes. We read for the first five minutes of every single class period and 10 minutes on Thursdays. And I have a substantial library now and they just go and they pick their book and they sit down and they read. I'll read from my library as well, but I like to get books from the library and read them to kind of show that you can read actual literature and not just these readers that have been written for language learners. Right now I'm reading Las Cronicas de Narnia in Spanish. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Pretty fun. At that conference, one of the other things that he said too was we need more books. We need more writers. My colleague and I, who also teaches Spanish, had been talking about the books that we had been using and how we felt like maybe we could write something better. So we decided to try and we collaborated and we wrote a four-part book called Hake Mate, which means checkmate. It was really, really fun. And I realized that I really liked 
writing for my students. And I would pass out a chapter and they'd read it and they would just soak it up and be so excited and ask when they would get the next chapter. And it became a little bit addictive and I just wanted to keep writing for them. This last year, I tried using the same story that my colleague and I wrote, and it was a little too advanced for that group. And so I decided to write something new. And that's when I wrote La Tutora de Español, which is my published book on Amazon. And I teach that one in class with the culture in it and the references to how to learn Spanish in it. It's a lot of fun. I teach that with my Spanish threes. And once again, it was just, it's fun because they read it and then they look at me and they're like, wait, you wrote this? Like, yeah, I did. And it's, in a way, it's rejuvenated my teaching because I'm writing for them and they know that I'm writing for them. And I can imagine that it helps connect you to your students as well. For them to feel like we're getting this gift almost from our teacher who's putting this effort in. It's not easy to write a book. I've never written one, but I can imagine it's not not. easy to write a book. And so hopefully they recognize at least some of that effort and the fact that you're doing it for them. And that builds that relationship that is so important for teachers and students. Yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> and probably, you know, it works better some years than others or with some students than others. Well, but. right. Different kids connect differently. Last year and then this year when I when I taught again, I've, I've really had a good response with La Tutora de Español. I think kids can identify with the main character, Blake, who is struggling to learn Spanish. So he gets himself a tutor, which is what the book is named. And, um, and he learns about the culture and he learns about the language and he learns about what makes it so special to even attempt to learn any language because you're not just connecting with language, you're connecting with the culture behind it. You really are. And that's so smart to, to put that character in someone that your students could relate to so much because that's who they are. That's where they're at right now. Yeah. You have all these years of teaching. You, you have your experience writing books, but I'm also curious... We talk a lot um, with people that we interview about just reading in general and, and how that helps, and especially at young ages when kids are learning how to talk. But because they are, they play such a big role when kids are learning how to talk, I can imagine they do a similar thing when you're learning, learning a new language, right? Yes. Yes, they definitely do. So what kind of role have you seen reading play in your teaching and, and in your students' learning? Um, so one thing that we are often taught is that students and kids, you know, you can't expect them to just talk right away. You have to give them a vocabulary to draw from, right? You know, you have to talk to them. You have to read to them so they can absorb the language and then start putting it together so they can produce it. So one of the things that's kind of drilled into us is that you're going to learn vocabulary faster through reading. I think it's 10 times faster is the quote. And you're going to learn it much faster through reading it than you are through being told it or taught it or it repeated to you. So when they see these words inside of a book and they see the words in context, it means so much more to them than if I were to like say, hey, here's a list of vocabulary. Now memorize it. So with the reading Do you mostly do fiction reading? Is that kind of what they're connecting to? And is that what kind of drives that interest? Or is it a a variety of different things? So most studies have shown that fiction reading, we actually learn more from reading fiction than we do from reading nonfiction, which seems counter 
intuitive, but studies have shown. (laughs) And so I like to have a variety. I do have a variety. I do have students that request nonfiction books. Like I have a biography of Frida Kahlo and another one of Santana. I also have some books based on actual events. One of my favorites is Los Sobrevivientes, um, which is about some cricket players from Uruguay whose plane crashed into the mountains on the way to Chile and how they survived. And it's fiction, but it's based on a true event. And the kids kind of tend to connect to fiction more. It's easier to think about this non-person and these things happening to this non-person and how, okay, well, I maybe could be a little bit like them. I kind of understand them. But when it's an actual person, it's a little bit harder. You kind of read it. You're like, wow, this person is amazing. They did these great things, but it's harder for you to connect personally to them. So it is mostly fiction that we read, but we do try to put as much culture as possible into that fiction so that they're still, they're, they're learning in a fun way. I do love that. I, I originally started learning Spanish when we were living in Mexico, and I, I never really put it together until I was talking to you, but the memories of that language and the things that that language evokes brings up that culture and brings up those feelings that we had when we were living in Mexico. And so that, it is so tight that I hadn't really thought about before. It's pretty important, <laughs> the reading and language. They just can't really, I, I think too many people expect to like, okay, I'm going to go to this class and I'm just going to absorb it and I'm going to memorize these grammar terms and then why don't I know Spanish at the end of it? And it's because they're not putting it into context. So have you had any experiences or stories in your actual teaching that have kind of shown all of this? So I ask, it's so hard to gauge completely because it, it's hard to know from student to student and they, because each one learns at their own pace, how much they're really, they're absorbing from what they're reading. I have them keep a reading log so they know how far they've come and how many books they've completed and whatnot. But I don't make them do anything with the book because I want reading to be fun for them. I feel kids start the year like they start school, they go to kindergarten, they're so excited to learn. And then as time goes on, and they're reading so much at school that they don't necessarily want to read that some kids like my older son, Emmett, they just start losing that love of reading. And it's hard to get them to want to read. And by the time I have them in high school, I would say about 75% of my students identify as not liking reading. And so when they come into my room and they're reading in another language, not just reading, but reading in a second language, I want it to be as comfortable an experience as possible because if they're not comfortable, they're not going to learn anything from that reading. And so I don't require them to do anything at the end of it. They literally, they come in, they choose a book, they sit down and they read. And then when the five minutes are over, they put the book back. And I don't make them talk about it or anything because I want it to just be about that reading piece. But at the end of a semester, I make them, or some of the levels, I have them, their final question for their writing for their semester exam is what is something you've learned from reading this year? And it was really cool. I didn't, I didn't care if it was something they read in Spanish or something that they read in English. They had to write about it in Spanish, but I didn't care when or where or what they read. Just tell me something you learned from it. The answers I got were pretty spectacular. I had 
students who told me about learning about empathy and others who told me that they feel like their grammar is better and others who told me I learned this word and it was great because then I had to use it when I was at work this day. And so I can, I know they're picking things up. I love that you make the reading experience as pleasant as you can to hopefully give them those good feelings about reading and and hopefully keep them reading. And yet that, that question at the end does show that they are getting things out of it. And And that hopefully, hopefully, because you're right, we hear that from a lot of people that by the time they get to those teenage high school years, a lot of kids are just over it and not reading for fun, not reading for enjoyment, which Mm -hmm. is taking out this huge possibility of something that could give them so much joy in their life and benefit them so much as well. Right. So many benefits to reading. I do have lots of thoughts that I was just writing down. I didn't want to jump in, but Camilla... I feel like my language learning experience would have been so different. If it, even as a parent now, I have a daughter who's learning other languages. Just as you were speaking, it clicked that that is what was missing when I was trying to learn Spanish. I was learning Spanish as well. I ended up minoring in it in college, but I am still not fluent and you know I and now it's been so long. But that's what was missing. The first time that I read any books in Spanish was in a 400 level Spanish class and I was reading like Don Quixote. And that is not no, fun. That's a, that's a tricky start <laughs> <And> to literature. <laughs> it's a really hard start. Everything else was just the snippets from textbooks and mm-hmm. things like that, or even religious texts and whatnot, because I went to a, a religious university. And it's just difficult language in those things. And now I am just thinking about my daughter, who's four, or I guess she just turned five. So she's five, and she's learning French. And she gets so excited with songs in French and with the books that she gets to bring home from the library. And even though I can't read them, I try and I use Alexa and we we kind of muddle through together. Yeah, French <laughs> is a hard one to pronounce. <laughs> well, yeah. But seeing the language gives such a good and especially, you know, picture books. We didn't talk a lot about picture books, but seeing the context and seeing how the words are changing on the page, it makes me so excited to really dive into this more. I feel energized by talking to you because I want to start implementing this in my children's lives as the piece that was missing from my language acquisition um, when I was taking classes. So thank you for this. <laughs> this is really, really good stuff. <laughs> Thanks to all the experts that I have been able to learn from as well. <laughs> do you read aloud very much with your kids in class? Yes, I do. I do. So we do our five minutes of silent reading. And then as I'm teaching them the novels, because as I said earlier, I teach La Tutora de Español in my Spanish 3 class. And then the book I wrote previously that I have yet to finish editing and publish um, Jaque Mate, I teach in my Spanish 4. And every time I pass out a new chapter, I read it aloud to them first. I do that for a number of reasons. I do that because, one, I don't want them to try to be pronouncing words that they might not feel comfortable pronouncing until they've heard it first. And two, I, in my Spanish 4 class, I actually, I have some native speakers who grew up speaking Spanish, but didn't necessarily grow up reading it or writing it. 
And so their oral comprehension is much better than their visual comprehension. And so this way I can kind of help my students at every level. So my students who are more visual can read along as I'm reading out loud. And my students who are more oral can hear me as they're following along reading. That's great. All right, Camilla. This is my favorite question that we ask people because I'm always looking for new books. So I am curious if you or your kids, you have two little boys, or your students are reading anything that you guys are excited about right now. So the most popular books in both my house and my classroom are the Dogman books. (laughs) Um, uh, In Spanish, they're called Hombre Perro, but they're by Dave Pilkey, the same author of Captain Underpants. And they are so popular. I read them to my kindergartner and my third grader reads them on his own. And they are the most fought over books in my library here at the school as well. That is awesome. My first grader boy thanks you for that suggestion. We're always looking for new books (laughs) for him. Oh, they are fantastic. And they're very, very funny. They're funny. And they're so they're kind of like comic books. They're graphic novels. Oh, awesome. And the pictures are fantastic. And they, so you've seen my book, Soy mm-hmm. Carlos, yes. you said. And so speaking of books with illustrations, so I wrote Soy Carlos because I often get asked what people need to do to learn a language. I often get people who are like, I want to learn Spanish. What should I do? And my answer is always, well, you should read. But if they're not in a formal class, it might be hard for them to read and understand what they're reading. So I wrote Soy Carlos to kind of help people who are trying to learn Spanish on their own. And the pictures go with every single caption to kind of help them figure out what it is. But in Soy Carlos, I have these Vuelta Vuelta pages where you flip one page to the next page and it looks like it's moving. And that idea came from the Fliparama pages inside of the Dogman books. Awesome. I love it. Those were definitely my favorite pages on yeah. Soy Carlos. And I showed my girls how they were dancing. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> that is very exciting. Okay. Wonderful suggestions. Thank you so much. So we're going to wrap up, but before we leave, is there somewhere people can go to learn more about you or your books? Um, yes, you can find me on the internet. I am smalltownspanishteacher.com and I am also on Instagram at smalltownspanishteacher and Facebook as well. At those sites have information. They also have grammar videos because as part of my dual enrollment class, I'm teaching grammar. So I have grammar videos for my students so they can revisit grammar points if they need to. They also have information about my current and upcoming books. That is awesome. We'll put those in the show notes so everyone can have links to them and find their way to you. So we want to ask you, what is your suggestion for people who want to get started or or move forward on what we've been chatting about? So I would just suggest that you start small. Don't go to the library and check out Harry Potter in Spanish because you want to learn Spanish. Start with some readers. There are so many good readers available on Amazon or Kindle. There's also multiple companies. Fluency Matters is one of them and TPRS Books. And they sell short books that are written specifically for people who are learning Spanish. And they have levels one through advanced. It's really it's really the best way. And also, if you have already learned a language but still aren't feeling completely comfortable in it, then read, read. Otherwise, if you don't use it, you lose it. I love that. And I especially love your suggestion because the whole name of our podcast, One Page at a Time, we wanted something 
that just was little and these baby steps towards, you know, using mm-hmm. books better and using books more. And so that's exactly what we want to do and what we want to help people to do. So that is so perfect. Thank you so much, Camilla, for taking time to join us and chat with us and give us so many good ideas. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. This interview was so great for me to get to listen to a second time while doing the post-production because the same spark of excitement I got when we talked to Camilla was reignited and I started to dream of how reading in other languages will change my life and the lives of my children who are also learning quite a few languages themselves. Um, For me and my family, I speak a little Spanish myself, but my husband and kids all only speak English. But I recently took our kids to Mexico to visit my parents and they got to hear me speak what little Spanish I could with the people we met and they got really excited about it. They got to feel how exciting it is when you kind of decode a foreign language. I don't know if if you know what I'm talking about, but where it sounds like gibberish at first and then all of a sudden you remember what one of the words means and in English and it unlocks a little bit of the language and they got really excited about it. And even now, weeks later, they keep asking me what the Spanish word is for different things. And sometimes I know it, sometimes I have to look it up, but I'm really glad that they're still excited about it. And I would love to keep that curiosity going. I would love to expose them to as much of the new language as they will let me right now. And like Camilla was saying, stories are such a wonderful way to do it. It's so true. And I had never made this connection before. Thinking about this interview, I wanted to contrast two language acquisition phases of my life, I guess if you can call it that, in response to this conversation with Camilla. And I mentioned in the interview that the first actual novel that I read in Spanish classes was Don Quixote, which is like Beowulf or something in English. (laughs) It's an intense read and was way over my head. I didn't understand hardly any of it. And I had attempted to read a religious book while I was living in Peru, which is a side story that's way too long, but merits mentioning. But anyway, I was essentially reading the Bible, and that's also not friendly to someone trying to learn, you know, verb tenses and pick up vocabulary. So I never became fluent in Spanish, despite studying it for eight years and living in Peru. So that's my first story. My second attempt to really learn a language has been with Finnish since my darling dearest hails from the frigid Finland. And Finnish is a really difficult language for me. And I get the feeling that I'm not alone in this, but I was able to get fairly far with um, it just with one year. And I was living in Finland and taking a class full time. But what I think ultimately made the difference in allowing me to learn as much as I did was actually a habit that we picked up where I would read the newspaper out loud to my husband every Sunday. And the language used in the newspaper, it's very different than colloquial speaking, but reading aloud was by far the best way I gained confidence with speaking the new language and becoming a bit more comfortable with seeing the words to internalize how they work with each other. And thinking of my current level of Finnish, I can only imagine what will happen when I start to read novels in Finnish at some point. But for now, I am reading picture books in Finnish to my children, and it helps me a ton. As my level grows, I'll start chapter books and follow along reading levels up to novels. And I'm really excited about the prospect of being able to digest the language this way since my everyday vocabulary is severely stunted now that I'm living outside of Finland and just talking about diapers and and things like that. (laughs) And my Spanish, oh man, I mean, 
I could probably jump into novels at this point, and that's really exciting. I have no daily use of it right now, and I have pretty much zero confidence speaking it. Same goes with all the other languages I've partially learned, and they all get mixed up together, and it's just, yeah. It sounds rough. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think that I think it's pretty common. That, and it's an interesting, what's the word I'm looking for? Not mindset, but it's kind of this interesting phenomenon when you start mixing up these languages and really trying to learn them, and especially in a situation like you, which I think is getting more and more common in the world where you have lots of different languages that your family is dealing with. But for anyone like Amanda and I who are trying to work on their Spanish skills, which are a lot of people, Spanish is spoken all over the world, Camilla had some great suggestions for books and stories. But I think that what Amanda was talking about, and Camilla mentioned this as well, but it is so important to find books that are written at the appropriate level for where you're at or your kids if, if your kids are the ones trying to learn this new language. I, too, have tried reading different religious materials in Spanish as a way to solidify what I was learning. And it just either I get bored because I can't understand it or I get frustrated because it's too much work trying to decode these big, more complicated words than I'm ready for. Um, leading up to this interview, I read Camilla's graphic novel, Soy Carlos, and I had so much fun reading it. I understood probably about 90% of it. So I still had to look up some of the words and some of the tenses that she was using. So I was learning a little bit that I didn't already know. But when I finished, I felt so good about myself. I like I had accomplished this huge thing. And I, I think I had accomplished a big thing. I had read an entire book in Spanish all by myself. And I understood it. I followed the story. I enjoyed the story. And it made me feel so good about myself. That's awesome. And I that falls that 90% falls right into the window that we teach our kids, you know, you should understand a good exactly. portion, but not all of it, because that's how I mean, that's the window that you learn the most, right? And I assume that there are a lot of people out there like you and like me who started to learn a language or learned a language to a degree and then stopped using it when they graduated from high school, moved internationally or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and reading novels may be the perfect answer for learning and or keeping languages no matter where you live or what the local language is, especially if you can find the sweet spot where you're getting that 75 to 90% understanding. Mm -hmm, exactly. So also, if you or your kids are a fan of audiobooks um, as that way of reading your stories out loud, there's a new section on Camilla's website called Simple Stories in Spanish. And she's been recording Spanish stories and releasing them as a podcast, along with a video of them being read and the transcription to read along with the story if you want. And they are, they're super short. They're about five minutes long. They're on the website, but also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which make them really easy to find and listen to when you just have a couple minutes to fill. Oh, that sounds so perfect. Five minutes. Everyone has five minutes. <laughs> I know. Brush those teeth, listen to a Spanish story, get some new vocabulary. Perfect. Well, we love chatting with Camilla and getting her wisdom. We are so grateful to her for joining us. And I know that I will be including a lot of Camilla's work in our home for sure. And we also wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast. We love the community that is forming and hearing from you. And a huge thank you for all who participated in the Read Aloud Challenge. And a shout out to our winner, Amanda Pilmer Roberts. Your emails, messages, tagging, all of you touched our hearts. And we loved seeing how much reading you all did. 
This week, we would love it if you would share an episode of One Page at a Time with a friend to help us further grow our community. As more voices are added to the group, we'll be better able to tailor our discussions for what you want and give you better content and bring to life the big plans we have for One Page at a Time. Thank you again and a million more times, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you.